You're listening to Team Talk on ESPN Radio, 1017 The Team. And we appreciate you listening to Team Talk. We're here till 7 tonight. Scott Galetti is back from Surprise, Arizona, where he called eight baseball games over a four-day period, including all four of the Lobo games out there in Surprise. We'll talk to him in the 6 o'clock hour. But we've heard Kim Mulkey talk about the bouncing balls. Well, Sam Hauser's got some bouncing balls in the top five. Will you take it away, Sam Hauser? It's time for the Hinkle Law Office's Top 5. Hinkle Law Office is representing motorcycle riders across New Mexico since 1990. Visit HinkleLawOffices.com. Take it away, Sam Hauser. All right, so we go in reverse order, 5-1. to one. Number 5 is always who's in, who's out. And as we start with who is in, you know, I could come on the on the show here Monday after a weekend of Lobo basketball and go, huh, 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 hey guys, JT won Freshman of the Week again, but he actually did win Freshman of the <laughs> Week again. Did he really? Number 8. Oh, my For goodness. JT Toppin, his 8th Mountain West Freshman of the Week award, now one away from tying the conference record. Again, if you haven't heard, it's Tyson Dagenhart, who feels like he's been at Boise State for eight years, even though he's only a junior. But Tyson Dagenhart owns the Mountain West record for most Freshman of the Week awards with nine. This is number eight for JT after a big, big weekend where he was by far and away the best player on this team. Not the best, not just the best freshman on the team, not just the best freshman. He may have been, this may have been a week where he had a shot. So we, we found out word about this. Freshmen are allowed to win player of the week in the Mountain West. I would be curious this week in particular how close he came. The showings that he had at Nevada and at San Diego State, certainly deserving of the freshman honor. But yeah, JT, number eight. That's right. You checked with the league office that somebody could win freshman player of the week and conference player of the week. Uh, but usually each school has a different person that they submit for those honors. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, if New Mexico beats San Diego State, he's freshman of the week and he's player of the week. You could bank it, Sam. But anyway, he'll take, what is it? You said number eight, Number right? eight, one off the record. <laughs> you would have... Th- you would have thought Dagan. I I was I was like I thought like eight would be three or four more than just about anybody ever got. Nope. Dagan Hart with nine of these nine time freshman of the week. Tyson Dagan Hart at Boise State, but JT's got he's got uh, by my count there should be three more of these by my count maybe two but possibly three. So the odds are in his favor that he's going to get one more. I would have to imagine. I Yeah, I'd vote for him every week without even looking at the box score. What else is in there, Sammy? New internet sensation, the flavor of the week this weekend in the Twitter sphere. Matt Massiangelo, outfielder for the Sacramento State baseball team. It is college baseball season. Things happen on a college baseball field that otherwise don't happen in many other places. And this is certainly one of the times. Why else would we be talking about a dude from Sacramento State. Matt Massiangelo, 13 plate appearances in their season opening series against Loyola Marymount. Eight times. Speaking of the magic number eight, 
eight times JT Toppin freshman of the week in the Mountain West, and eight times over the weekend, Matt Massiangelo hit by a pitch. This right here is my actual nightmare. This is why I quit Little League Baseball. Because my nightmare scenario <laughs> is something like this would happen. I didn't trust those snot-nosed 13-year-old pitchers. Some, something like this was going to happen. And before getting to that point, as soon as I had to get to a point where the kids were pitching, I said, nope, no more because of that. Getting drilled in the ribs is no fun even when you're in Little League. Uh, and that's why there was the old proverbial foot-in-the-bucket type thing. After you get hit a few times... Your, your left foot is going out. You're bailing, right? Oh, I already did that anyway. <laughs> but it was mostly, it was more because I wanted to have a batting, I, I, I was, you know, you're a kid, you want to uh, emulate batting stances of professionals, and I always wanted to try to be like Mark Teixeira, but that's what everybody would always say was in the buck, foot in the bucket. In the foot. So, you know, I think of people that got hit. By the way, uh, Sacramento State, what is their nickname? Oh boy. What is it? The Hornets, okay? okay? And, you know, I mean, okay, the Hornets, great, whatever. That's cool. Okay, but their mascot, you're going to love this, Sam. The mascot for Sacramento State, Herky the Hornet. Pretty cool. Pretty damn cool. Woo! Move <laughs> over, Keggy the Keg. That's what I was going to say. I knew you would love that. <laughs> All right, so when I think of people that, like, Got hit by pitches a lot. Okay, got my mind run. Okay, Jared Holly, a former uh, Lobo baseball player, second baseman, I believe, he got hit like left and right. That guy was like black and blue, head to toe. And then in the professionals, I'm going to go way back. So some of your old timers are going to think right away. Ron Hunt of the Montreal Expos, he comes to mind. Don Baylor, okay, with those big old forearms, he'd hang over the plate. Don Baylor comes to mind from years gone by. Uh, Craig Biggio of the Killer Bees, him and Bagwell. Probably Bagwell got hit, too. He leaned over. And then the guy that gets hit all the time now, Anthony Rizzo. Why is that? Because he he, he puts his like his toes right on the corner, the edge, or home plate. So, uh, yeah, this guy at Sacramento, though, tell me what, eight, he got hit eight times. And he was like, he had a great attitude about it. Eight what, times. What was his quote? Something like, it's it's really humorous or something like that. I, I never found it to be funny at all when I got hit, Sam. Yeah, eight times in his first nine at-bats. And there is part of me that thinks at some point along the way somebody was doing a bit, even though we're playing professional or, or playing baseball games, competitive games that count, only because, so they play a doubleheader on Friday he gets hit, I think, three or four times in that doubleheader, and they finally take him out of the game because you got to protect your dude. The guy that pinch hit for him then got hit no, as well. No, do not tell me that. The guy that pinch hit for him he got, got hit, hit too. Yeah, he got hit too. So they were going to hit the batter, whether it was Angelo or you or I, whoever it was. I don't was. know what he's batting you know, in the order. He's on base is 700, so he's having a great old time. I mean, he's setting records with a 700 on base, and he did say after the third one, I couldn't help but laugh at the absurdity of the situation, was his quote. Well, I, got, I can't do anything but laugh about the pitching staff for Loyola Marymount. I mean, they can't get through the lineup without hitting the guy that's in the five hole every single time. All right, what else going on All right, here, well, speaking Sam? of college baseball, on a much cheerier note, something that actually is worth celebrating, Air Force 
with a 3-2 win in Starkville, Mississippi. They have Falcons. a baseball team. I'm just kidding. I know Air Force has a very... Hey, <laughs> I know he's what, with the Orioles, right? Weren't Pirates. You tra- Pirates, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, former... Air Force pitcher that went to LSU that where you were following. He's dating Livy Dunn for a little okay, while. Okay, well, that's what we're really impressed with, okay? Yeah, um, Air Force with a 3-2 win at Mississippi that's State. That's a great win, and I know, I'm know i well aware that Air Force has a very good baseball program, and 3-2 uh, there in, um, where is Mississippi? Starkville. 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 Down in Starkville. You, you don't get very many wins down there in Starkville, or what else there, Sammy? All right, well, speaking of Mountain West baseball, we have gone final in the Lobos. Leaving Surprise Arizona with a split, getting a couple of wins over Cal State Bakersfield. Lobos win by a final of four to three in the first game against Cal State Bakersfield. One of the new Lobos, Will Ashby, with a couple of home runs in that one, and then a six-two victory today for Coach Todd Brown and company. So they lost to Oregon State and Minnesota, but get a couple of wins along the way. And in baseball, you play four games. Uh, if you can win. Three out of the four, you're jumping up and down. Lobos 8 got two out of the four, and uh, the season is underway, and they're sitting at 500 for now. Who is out, Sam? All right, moving on to who is out. Well, Rick Pitino, Coach Rick Pitino of St. John's, the the elder Pitino, not holding back his feelings about the way this season has gone for the Red Storm, and really about the way the last month and a half has gone. For St. John's, and really the fuse blew over the weekend after a home loss to Seton Hall. I think they're unathletic. I don't think they move well laterally. I think they're unathletic. I don't think they move well laterally. I don't think they're going to pick it up in the next week. Um, I think they're slow laterally. I mean, Sean Conway gives you everything he can. He's slow laterally. About five guys are slow laterally. Even, even the Celtics, when we lost... I've enjoyed every minute being a Boston Celtic coach. Didn't like the fact that we lost in that following year, but this has been the most unenjoyable experience I've had since I've been coaching. you have any second thoughts of taking this job? No, not at all. It's not St. John's. It's my team. I think they're very respectful. They hear, but they don't listen. It's taken me a month to get them to throw bounce passes. Actually, two months to throw bounce passes. St. John's 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games after a 4-1 start in Big East play. Now they're just hoping to try to salvage what's left of the season, and Rick Pitino has clearly been holding that in for a little while. He has, but you know what? He's been around the block. It was going to be a tall task for him to come in and work his magic in one year. Uh, granted, with the transfer portal, uh, he still they were they were behind in trying to go get portal players, uh, and it was going to take a while. You're in a conference that's got the defending national champion and a bunch of other top twenty five really good teams in there: Marquette, Creighton, uh, Villanova. I mean, it go, it's 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 a hard job. I the way I read that, and I don't know the man is it's kind of calculated. I think those comments uh, are going to eat at these players, and he knows that they're at this time now where uh, it's do or die. He's throwing everything against the wall that he can, and those players that he was pointing out, you know, he didn't just point out one guy. He went through like four or five guys, you know, and, and at the same time, he's saying they're all playing hard uh, but unathletic, okay? It, it, if you or I were, were called 
unathletic by a coach, you would want to go out and prove them wrong. So I don't know if it is uh, as bad as it sounds. I look at it as a veteran coach, you know, saying things that uh, were honest, but also maybe a little calculation there at the same time. What is number four, Sammy? All right, talking some basketball was a big, big weekend on the high school front. As so, I mean, I'm looking at the calendar now. Here, it's February 19th. We're about two weeks away from the state tournament. I know, I know. I I, I saw. I was reading uh, Coach James Yotis's stuff in the journal today, and it's like the final week or so of the regular season, and then they have their district tournaments. And then they have, like, the first rounds of the state tournament are played at the home gyms of the higher-seeded team. So, yeah, you're right. We're in the stretch run here uh, before district tournament play and how things, you know, the the regular season, though, district is the, the most important. I think that's the one, and we should have Adam Deal in here to talk about this. But when it comes to the seeds uh, in the state tournament, right. so much of it depends. If you finish above a team in the district this, seedings, then you are going to be above them in the state tournament right. seedings. Right, regardless of what happens in the district. I mean, it's, it's really complicated. But like you said, the thing we're looking at is the stretch drive. And it's not only in 5A, but we're seeing some competitiveness in 4A, the girls are starting to heat up a little bit, Sam. This is your time of year, man. You're going to be feasting on this in two weeks. That's why you're bringing up about the state tournament being so close, because you feast on this, I Sam. mean, this is as good as what we're seeing in, in the Mountain West right now with some of these district races. Most teams have two games left in their regular season, so it really is coming to a close here. Like, the Lobo men still have five games to go. Most of these teams down to their last couple of regular season games. West Mesa with a 24-point win at Piedra Vista over the weekend, going up to Farmington, winning by 24. Big bounce back there for the Mustangs. They had back-to-back home losses to La Cueva and Farmington. And and how about this? These this was after winning West Mesa, winning in Farmington, winning right. at La Cueva. They're on the you know defending their home court, which they're usually very. Uh, successful at doing, and then back-to-back losses, so they got right and with Piedra Vista. To, up to, yeah, they went at Piedra Vista. West Mason now 8-2 and two in their last 10 games, so they were on a heater before those losses. Right back to it now, and back to a tie for first place at top of their district with La Cueva. Speaking of the Bears, their own big win, 59-50 over Sandia. Things slipping away here a little bit for the Matadors. They had that really nice run at the Metro Tournament, but they've lost four straight, and they're just in this gauntlet of a district there with La Cueva and West Mesa and company. But La Cueva 59-50 over Sandia. Let me just say this about Sandia and Coach Danny Brown, okay? How young they, they are? Yes. I mean, I don't I, I don't know if it was Vital or somebody else that used to— Oh, Dick— It was uh, Al McGuire, the great Al McGuire. Uh Former coach at Marquette that won the national championship, and he used to do TV uh, back in the day with Billy Packer, and he used to talk about the best thing about freshmen is their sophomores. Well, Danny Brown's got two eighth graders that I think start played, for him. Yeah, play and a like, lot of so, minutes. I guess you could say the best thing about these eighth graders is they're going to be a freshman next year. You know, whatever, Sam. All right. Uh, and then uh, you, the Albuquerque High making a little statement over the weekend. Bulldog City, yeah. Uh, 61-53 win for Albuquerque High over over Rio Grande, so the top three in that district with the Bulldogs, 
Santa Fe's red hot. Los Lunas obviously having a great season with with Holland. That district is going to be a gauntlet. All three of those teams looking to make a run. Santa Fe squeaking by Manzano on the road, but a win is a win is a win. The sixth in a row for Santa Fe. And then, like you said, down in 4A at a top five matchup in Class 4A. Valley 62-49 over Hope Christian. Got to figure that we're on track for the top three to get back to the final four at state like they did last year with Valley, with Hope Christian. Of course, the defending champions, Albuquerque Academy. Question's going to be whether or not somebody gets hot at the end like Taos did in the state tournament last year. Otherwise, it's those three on a collision course. And I will answer that question. There will be somebody that gets red hot there. Yeah, those are the three we're keeping our eye on. But inevitably, there's going to be some magic going on state tournament time in the pit. What about the girls, Sam? Yeah, on the girls' side, uh, one that we had a feeling was going to be a good one. For a regular season game, lived up to the hype. Number six, El Dorado, with, of course, with Bella Hines. Number two, Farmington. Game was here in town. El Dorado at home, and they win 72-68 over the second-ranked Farmington Scorpions. Another top 10 matchup, Sandia. Hey, let me add this. Yeah. When El Dorado and Bella Hines went to Farmington to play up there, that's a hotbed for girls' high school basketball, as you know. Yes. That four corners area. Yes. I mean, you talk to Kirtland Central, it goes on and on and on. Well, when they went up there, Farmington beat them. It took El Dorado like 45 minutes to get on their bus. Because so many people wanted pictures and autographs of Bella How Hines. About that? That's How, very cool. Yeah. Very so, cool. So El Dorado gets a payback here in Albuquerque. But yeah, great stories going on in in, in girls high school. What about Sandia? Twenty one and three after their win over the weekend. Sandia gets past La Cueva. Modest fifteen points for for Sydney Benali. The the question's going to be night to night about La Cueva. Whether or not they can make shots, because they can play good enough defense, just got to make some shots. But Sandia showing uh, that they have some scores beyond Sydney, twenty-one and three, the Matadors. Yes, uh, and she's she uh, loves to to pass the ball to. Oh, of course, she's not trying to set scoring marks. She's a, a very unselfish player. What else, Sammy? All right, a couple of other basketball notes before we move on here. Former New Mexico State Aggie Trevlin Queen. The MVP of the G League All-Star Game. Of course, it was NBA All-Star Weekend in Indianapolis. They had the G League's Next Up game, the second year that they've done this. And former New Mexico State Aggie Trevlin Queen, the MVP of that game. This one, the way that they did this was a little bit interesting. It's not a regular game with a clock. It's not the Elam ending like at, at TBT. They just set a set score of first team to 30 wins. And Trevlin Queen's team did. He won the MVP. I missed that. So, like, they it's a race to 30 and, like, threes count. I mean, so, like, the, the games could be pretty short if somebody gets on a that heater. That is correct. Yeah, okay. That is correct. I mean, they're giving these guys a platform during NBA All-Star Weekend and... Nobody's really there to necessarily... Is it make it, take it? Is it? No, I'm just kidding, Sam. Uh, uh, yeah, just one of those things. And Hey, hey the man's an MVP. He's, he's going to be an MVP for the rest of his life on All-Star Weekend. All right. What about uh, something good on TV to watch uh, tonight? For, yeah, for, for when you get home for after the show, as soon as we're done, appointment television. You know how much we love Big 12 basketball around here. 7 o'clock on ESPN. Number six, Iowa State at number two, Houston. Winner gets sole possession of first place in the Big 12 as that regular season comes to an end. 
All lines courtesy of ESPN Bet Houston nine and a half point home favorites against the Cyclones. Yeah, you watch. Did you see any of Houston host uh, Texas Longhorns? It looked as if like. Houston was the team that had been in the Big 12 for all this time, and Texas was just coming in to, to, as a new member. I mean, Houston doesn't back down. I, I mean, if they can get any perimeter shooting, uh, like Houston plays such good defense and rebounds and is so fundamental. Their Achilles heel is always they run into drought scoring the ball. They're like San Diego State 2.0, Houston is, okay? Great call. And they hang their hat on their defense, and that's why they're a 9.5-point favorite because, like, you could have a good offensive team and go into Houston and end up walking out of there with 55 points, you know? So that's what you get when you're facing um, the uh, – who's the head coach? Kelvin Sampson. My man, Kelvin Sampson. And, of course, former UNLV coach T.J. Otzelberger there at Iowa State. Anytime you have a chance to throw out T.J.'s name, I mean, you've been following him – Year at uh, only one year at uh, UNLV, or was it two before he moved on to Iowa State? It was one or two. Yeah, yeah it was a very Kevin, short time. Yeah, Kevin Kruger replaced him. Fills out polo shirts very well. He's got those those giant biceps that stick out of those short sleeve shirts that he wears. No doubt about it. That's why he doesn't want to wear a suit like Rick That's Pitino. Right. He wants to show those. <laughs> Guns out, suns out. Well, sometimes it's Ames, Iowa. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, guns out, corns out. All right, what's number three, Sam? Three. The sporting goods manufacturer Wilson is selling nice new basketballs that you can buy for $2,500. These new basketballs that are hollow and they're made by a 3D printer. So basically, they're trying to bring together the worlds of, of basketball and people who like to collect things, and some tech people as well who are interested in the 3D printed basketball. I'm guessing this isn't one that you would go uh, take out in your backyard. Like like when you buy, like when you go to the store and buy a new basketball, the first thing that you want to do is you want to slam it on the ground a few times, right? Oh, absolutely. You're probably not doing that with this one, okay? Because <laughs> it's twenty five hundred dollars, right? Um, I I don't know what if to you think. had all the money in the world, if you if you won the lottery tomorrow and you had all the Powerball billions of dollars. Would anything possess you to spend $2,500 on a basketball? Well, if I had a basketball court at my house because I had all this money, I would I would spare no expense when it came to, to buying a basketball. But I, I just, I'm getting back to what you're saying. I remember in high school when the new balls would come out, we would try to throw them out on the outside courts and rough them up a little bit. That you know, I'm going to tell you, we'll focus on the NCAA tournament where they're using these balls right out of the wrapper with these rims that are as tight as your wallet. When we go to lunch, I'm just kidding, Sam. I, but anyway, you got these these new balls and these tight rims. I mean, uh, this $2,500 ball. I don't know what to think. Uh, but I'm with. Do you have the Kim Mulkey uh, sound? I, anytime I hear of bouncing balls, I, I think of last year's tournament where the women, you know, they go in at halftime when they're winning like 28 to 22 or something. And Kim Mulkey had no real reason why they were, the score was so low. She was like, my goodness, why would anybody watch this game? Here's Kim Mulkey. What do you tell your team to get there now? <laughs> Make free throws and layups. If I was watching this game, I'd turn it off. Look at that score, would you? 
that's some bad offensive basketball. It might be something to these balls being too bouncy, but that's some bad ball. Make your layups, make your free throws, play hard for 10 minutes and see what happens. All right, thanks, Coach. You're welcome. There you go. It worked out pretty well for them in the end, after all. It worked out pretty well. Yeah, they're doing fine. I just Anytime there's a bouncing ball reference, I got to hear that sound. What is number three, Sam? I mean, number two, Sam. Dodgers open up spring training Thursday. That's right. Three days from today, Dodgers spring training opener against the Padres. And ahead of the start of a new season, the Padres are in the news again this week as their long-standing game of shortstop musical chairs goes round and round and round. The Padres give out double-digit year Quarter billion dollar plus contracts to shortstops like their candy coming out of a gumball dispenser, and then after one year, take them from shortstop and move them to another position. This will be the fourth year in a row in which a different shortstop will start at least a hundred games for the San Diego Padres. Twenty twenty one, it was Fernando Tatis. The year after that, it was Hassan Kim. Last year, it was Xander Bogarts, who the Padres signed eleven years, two hundred eighty million. Now. In his 12th Major League season, for the first time in his career, Xander Bogarts is going to second base so Hassan Kim can go back to shortstop. Well, I mean, as a Dodger affiliate, it's kind of like the pot calling the kettle black here because it's not like the the Dodgers have had stability at shortstop uh, since Corey Seager left. I mean, I've seen no, Chris. No, but you're not I, I, signing guys. Well, as- I mean, I've seen Chris Taylor. I mean, for goodness sakes, I, you know, I thought I saw Justin Turner one time there, Max Muncy. I mean, they're using everybody. Mookie. Under, Mookie Betts, sure. Right field, second base, short, But whatever. you're not signing guys I mean, as shortstop the- and then moving them. <laughs> that is correct. All right. What is number one, Sammy? One. News coming down today from New Mexico United that the franchise all-time leading goal scorer Chris Weehan re-injured his knee and his time with New Mexico United coming to a close. He had just signed a contract to come back for the coming season here for New Mexico United. Rehabbing from that broken kneecap, re-aggravating that same knee and New Mexico United making the decision to move on. We had Chris Weehan in studio Always great to see him, but just tough knowing that he won't be wearing those, by the way, those beautiful new Sandia-themed kits that they oh, released gosh, last week. Love them. But not uh, unfortunately not to be Chris Weehan uh, moving on after the uh, knee injury. Yeah, and uh, New Mexico United used the, the word devastated to learn that he had re-injured that knee. Um, all-time leading scoring goals uh, with 37 and assists. He's got 18 of those. Uh, fifth all-time in appearances. He's a fan fave. Uh, I hope we see a lot of him, and I hope, hey, he gets healthy and doesn't have to deal with this injury the rest of his life, and who knows? If he recovers from it, he's still young enough. He's, uh, I mean, the the guy's been a terrific professional player, and it was great that he came in studio. He was He wanted to just thank the fans, and he's not even just talking about United fans. He's going back to his days with Jeremy Fishbein on a Lobo team that made it to the Final Four, too. So, uh, from Southern California, but a lot of love for New Mexico. A lot of love for you, Sam, too. That's a heck of a top five. Good job there, buddy. All right. That's tonight's Hinkle Law Offices Top 5. Hinkle Law Offices, representing motorcycle riders across New Mexico since 1990. Visit com. All right, coming up next, never have the words, well, congratulations 
felt so hollow. I think a lot of you might know what we're talking about. If you watched the NBA All-Star Weekend uh, and the All-Star Game, if you didn't, you'll want to hear this when we come back. He's Sam Hauser. I'm Joe O'Neill, ESPN Radio 1017, the team.